Reeling from all the terrible news, but not sure how to take action? I'm Kelly. I'm Lila. And this is What Can I Do? Each week, we interview activists about how they took action, what got them started, who helped them along the way, and what they do differently next time. In the process, we offer concrete advice on how to take the leap from freaking out on Twitter to making a difference. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. I am Kelly Pollack. This is What Can I Do? This is our first recap episode. I am here with my co-host, op-ed writer extraordinaire, Lila Nordstrom. Hello, Lila. Hey, Kelly. How are you? I am great. And I am excited that you had a recent op-ed in the Washington Post. So we will link to that in the show notes and everyone should check it out. So with these episodes, we're going to do recaps every four to five episodes, just to give you sort of a a short snippet of what we've been talking about, remind you of the different strategies and themes we've been discussing, just so you don't have to remember everything we talked about in every interview. That's our job. (laughs) So uh, we have done at this point, five episodes. Lila, do you want to remind us the, the five episodes that we have done so far? Absolutely. So we started with an episode that was me and Kelly talking, and I was really talking about my own advocacy work. We interviewed Kristen and Christine from Marked by COVID in our second episode, which is a grassroots advocacy group that deals with issues surrounding COVID. We talked to Ashanti Golar from Emerge in our third episode. We talked to Rachel Dawn Davis, who is a local activist in New Jersey on our fourth episode. And then we talked to Shannon Downey, aka Badass Cross Stitch, in our fifth episode to talk a little bit about the intersection between politics and art. Yeah. And as a reminder, in addition to finding these all in our podcast feeds, wherever you get your podcasts, you can also find them at whatcanidopodcast.com. We make it really easy for you. (laughs) So we have found in these episodes that we've been talking about a number of different strategies with these activists. And so we wanted a chance to, to sort of remind you, all of you, the listeners, what these strategies were. If you're a visual person, we are going to put this all in listicle form on our website and the blog, so you can find them there. But if you're an audio person, we'll talk through those a little bit now. So the the first strategy we'll talk through is individual actions. So Lila, what what are individual actions? What, What sorts of things have people been doing in this? So we heard from people, including myself, about actions such as writing op eds. That's something that you can do if you have an area of expertise in a particular subject or a local concern that affects you personally or affects your community. That's something that you can do if you, you know, work for a big organization as well. It's it's a it's a way to kind of create some awareness around the topic that you're interested in and advocate for a position. We talked a little bit about bird dogging politicians and otherwise approaching politicians. We heard Ashanti tell a really great story about a time that a Senate candidate came to her high school class and she challenged them on their record. But I also spoke a bit about my own experience bird dogging politicians in rallies, you know, at rallies in New York and in other environments where I was just trying to bring my issue to their attention. It was important that I, you know, that I make sure that they had, that they knew about something, an action that I was trying to take with their office or something like that. And I just kind of like, found them in public and spoke to them because politicians work for you and you are entitled to speak to them anywhere that you see them about whatever's on your mind. <laughs> Respectfully, I mean, don't January 6th it, but you know, you, you're you entitled to raise your concerns with them when you see them in public. And that's something that we also 
you know, we spoke to Kristen and Christine about as well when they were first starting to get to work on Marked by COVID and also something that they were helping train some of their volunteers to do. Yeah. And so uh, there are a number of guides out there on op-eds, writing op-eds, getting them published, all of that. So we'll link to some of those in the show notes too. So if people are interested in that, I will probably at some point down the road, do a whole episode on op-eds. But if you want to sort of get your feet wet on that, we'll put some links in. Oh, and actually I would note along those lines, another thing that you can find out how to do online is submit written written testimony for hearings that are happening on topics that affect you in your community as well. Oftentimes your state or local legislatures will have public hearings about issues that affect the community. And if you're a community member, you can often submit written testimony. There are tons of guides online about how to do that. That was something that I think we kind of talked about via implication in our episode, but didn't explicitly discuss, but kind of goes along these lines as well. Yeah. And so something fairly similar and a kind of individual action is people finding a way to do something to contribute that is basically the kind of thing they already do, sort of fitting it into the lifestyle that they already have. So can you talk a little bit about those examples? Totally. We spoke to Kristen and Christine from Marked by COVID about, you know, actions that you can take beyond a group setting like academics, working alone to write articles or working. The op-ed that I just had published was co-written with an academic who works with Marked by COVID. It was about the intersection between 9-11 and COVID. And so we found a way to do something that we already do together and got that published. But we also talked to Shannon, uh, a.k.a. Badass Cross-Stitch. She was very clear that that is her individual professional identity (laughs) and not a group, which I was confused about. And with Rachel Dawn Davis about how they connect the arts to their work. So I think Mm -hmm. in Shannon's case in particular, you know, she helps teach people how to cross-stitch, but she also uses her cross-stitch community to help create environments where people can come and speak to cross-stitchers about political issues, where cross-stitchers can use their skills towards political aims. And she does all of that within a crafts community that she's already a part of and, you know, is helping kind of raise political awareness within. Yeah. So fairly obvious, perhaps, but no less important, incredibly important uh, strategy is volunteering with campaigns that already exist. So uh, do we have some examples of that? Yeah, absolutely. Ashanti spoke quite a bit about that. That's how she got her start in politics. She worked on Harry Reid's Senate campaign in Nevada. And, you know, that is exactly that is exactly what you know, led her to being able to train candidates or run an organization that trains candidates in the future. So there was, I think, for her, a direct continuum between finding campaign work and finding her professional identity. But she also spoke about how there are numerous ways to volunteer with campaigns that don't require you to do it professionally. It's something that Rachel Dawn Davis, I think, also alluded to as one of the options of things that you can do to be involved. But those campaigns can be both for big national you know, elections, things like senators, but also can be for local candidates. So you can work with local candidates and at the hyper local level, especially to help support their campaigns. Those campaigns in particular rely heavily on volunteers. And oftentimes at the local level, campaigns are nonpartisan as well. So you aren't necessarily having to work with a big political organization to do campaign volunteer work. You can, of course, and sometimes those are better resourced campaigns and sometimes those are fun for that reason. But um, there's a million different ways to be involved in the political process as a volunteer. 
Yeah. And as we're talking less than two months out from a major election cycle in this country, <laughs> this <is a> good time. <laughs> you will find a campaign and they will very happily include you and train you and do whatever they need to do to get you up to speed. So one of the maybe more fun ones the, that's sort of the, the disruption is uh, stunts. So what's, what's an example of a, a kind of stunt that someone can do? So in our last few episodes, I think the one that stands out to me the most is the event that launched Marked by COVID, where Kristen's dad had passed away from COVID and they invited the governor at the time, who was the person who had announced you know, to her dad and many others that it was safe to resume normal activities. They invited him to her dad, Mark's funeral, and did that as sort of a press stunt. And um, I think that sort of goes along with another thing that both Kristen and Christine from Marked by COVID and also Rachel Don Davis spoke about pretty extensively, which is the importance the, the importance of of generating press around issues mm -hmm. that, you know, that you're trying to kind of launch into the public consciousness. I think Rachel Don Davis even said, like, if it wasn't recorded, it didn't happen. So you should record everything that you do if you're involved in a political stunt. But also you should, you know, make sure that you are prepared to uh, to speak to press if press does show up, because it is important to get coverage of things in order to kind of like make them kind of break into the public consciousness. So Stunts are, I think, we call them political stunts sort of like inside the mm -hmm. activism community. I think it oftentimes sounds really cynical, but I would contend, and this is something that I spoke about in my episode, a lot of, the, a lot of politics is theater, essentially, and to not admit that to yourself puts you at a disadvantage, and to not admit that that is often how people find a way to personally connect to your story also puts you at a disadvantage, so... I think don't think about stunts as being sort of like cynical voice for attention or anything like that, but think of them more as opportunities to reach a wider audience and to educate a larger portion of the public about your goals. And I think while doing that, you know, make sure that you're recording everything that you do and that you are prepared to message off of it when when you when you're in action finally. Yeah, and I'm sure this is something we'll come back to in a future episode, but there's also media training guides out there yes. online that you can find and are really, really important. I think uh, that's probably the single most important thing you should do to start out with is be ready because the press will come to you and you want them to come to you. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk some about then volunteers and building community, helping volunteers and the community you build around you feel like they're engaged. This is something that I think was a point that every single person that we interviewed made, because of course you can't do these things alone. And a lot of the time it can feel like you are being asked to, because it can feel very isolating to get started on a political issue that you are, you know, that, that is sort of like newly, you know, concerning you. And I think the way that you combat that is you try to build a core of volunteers or community members around you. It was something that Kristen from Marked by COVID spoke about extensively and about the joy also of watching those volunteers become political actors themselves. It's, you know, the entire basis of Emerge as, you know, the Emerge's work is to help create that community for female candidates running for office all over the country. It's something that Rachel Don Davis spoke about extensively as well, because it's at the core of all community work is having having a community and also it's what makes the work rewarding and fun and it's so central to the programming that Shannon puts on through you know this sort of badass cross stitch community because it's the reason that people keep showing up and so it's 
I think everyone spoke about the importance of not just creating like an inclusive environment for, you know, people who are interested in working with them, but making sure that that environment is fun and that that environment is supportive and that that environment is welcoming. And so that's something that I think is worth having an eye to no matter what you're working on and where you're starting. And also is an it's a good thing to keep an eye out for if you're getting involved in an issue that you're not, you know, in leadership on figuring out who will be effective and who won't be effective and where you fit in to that community is important as well. And so, you know, having an eye to how people treat their volunteers and how people treat the community around them is really important. Yeah. So uh, this is, I think, such an important and probably unnoticed one very often, uh, but paying it forward and and getting to a place where, you know, you, you're then sort of helping the next people, you know, you, that image of like helping lifting up the next person and and then they might help lift you up, you know, so so let's talk a little, little bit about that. Totally. This was also something that everyone spoke about you know, this is the entire philosophy of emergence programming, but it is also the whole reason that I even met Kristen and Christine was because I had been working on, you know, I'd been working on an issue that was, you know, a health issue around a disaster community. And that issue was, you know, a very specific localized issue to some extent. And I watched the COVID crisis emerge and evolve and thought, I have so much experience working on this kind of an issue and I want to pay that forward. And so I got in touch with them and just said, I would like to offer you whatever I can offer you by way of support, experience, advice, whatever it is, because it feels important to me that I do something with this information that I gathered over my 20 years of advocacy on 9-11 health issues. So it not only helped me create a community around myself and continues to help me create a community around myself, but it's also something that uh, Kristen and Christine spoke about as critical to the marked by COVID sort of strategy anyway, because they were helping, at, you know, just as I contacted them to help pay my experience forward, they are both seasoned activists. That's how they kind of like knew how to start a grassroots organization. And part of what they do is empower people who have been marked by COVID in other communities to take action in their communities and to try to set up, you know, to, to try to set up uh, memorialization efforts and things like that in their communities. And so that's been really central to their work as well. And it's something, of course, that is central to anyone who is creating a community around their advocacy work. But part of the reason you do that is to train people to take action on the issues that you and they care about. So. So that I hope is is really helpful to people to think about all the strategies that we have discussed. And as you're hearing, there's a lot that various people are mentioning. These are important things for activists to, to get to know. So as I mentioned, we'll put a blog post together with these strategies. I'm sure we'll hear these strategies again from people coming up in upcoming episodes. And there's also a number of themes that have been running throughout. And so we'll talk about that probably more next time on the recap episode. And you'll find that in the blog post as well. Lila, anything else that, that you want to add? No, I, I think this was helpful even to me to kind of see some of the common themes running through the episodes. And I'm excited to see what our future guests bring to the table as well. Yes. And to listeners, we would really love to be in conversation with you. So Follow us on social media, uh, send us an email, hello at whatcanidopodcast.com. And, and we'd love to just sort of hear what you're getting out of or not getting out of these episodes, the kinds of activists you would like to hear us uh, talk about. We've got some exciting guests coming up, so I hope you will stay tuned. 
Thanks for listening to What Can I Do? You can find show notes and credits for this episode at whatcanidopodcast.com. To the best of our knowledge, all audio used by What Can I Do is in the public domain or used with permission. Original artwork is by Matthew Wefflin and used with express permission. You can find us on Twitter at WhatCanIDoPod. To contact us with questions or guest suggestions, please email hello at WhatCanIDoPodcast.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review and tell your friends.